So um, I would like to uh, dedicate our service to Dick Dave, uh, Dave's father, beloved man who I have known for almost 50 years on and off. And uh, Dave's here in, our, in the front row and his dad and his, his mom, uh, Charlotte, founded Gogo Grandmothers in Malawi. He was in Malawi when he passed this, this week at 89 years of age. He served the Lord like virtually every day of his life. What a legacy. And so, Dave, our hearts go out to you today and also Marianne for you also and Richard Lawson. So just uh, thank God for these lives of people who've meant so much to us. So I got a lot to talk about this morning, a lot to share, and, and I know I don't have enough time, but I'm going to share what I feel God's given us this morning to, uh, to wrestle with, perhaps a little bit. But, you know, there's a lot of reasons why uh, people say they don't want to become Christians, and perhaps you've heard this story about the man who was sharing Christ with his friend, telling his friend how much Jesus loved him, and that he had come from earth, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever should believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life, and oh, my friend, you can know Jesus and you can know where you're going to go when you die and God will give you a brand new life and you can be a new creation in Christ. And he said, would you like to receive Jesus? And he said, I, I would, I would, but I'm not going to do it. And he said, well, why not? He said, because I don't want to have to pack up my wife and kids and go into the jungles of Africa and live there for the rest of my life and perhaps die young, because isn't that what Christians do? So I'm going to talk to you this morning about calling and, and God's appointing and God's sending and witness and all of that sort of thing that we talk about all the time. And our passage this morning is in Luke 10. And if, if uh, I were to attend a, a, a conference on evangelism, likely this passage is the passage that would be highlighted. And in fact, I have attended evangelism conferences uh, over the many, many years that I've been around, and this passage is often used that way. So um, I've got 24 verses in Luke 10, and I did not put it on the PowerPoint. I wanted to read out of our Bibles today. So let's turn to Luke chapter 10, and it's on page 868 in your pew Bible. On page 868, I don't know what it is and what other Bible you might have. <laughs> But it's all the Word of God. Aren't you glad that we have God's Word for us to study this morning? Amen. So I'm, I'm going to read our, our 24 verses, and I'm going to briefly comment, interject a few things as I do read. I love the way the uh, EVS here breaks down our paragraphs with little drop heads. And you notice in chapter 10, that uh, we have this little heading here, Jesus sends out the 72. Then when we get down to verse 13, there's this uh, section on cities. So here we go. We're just going to jump in. I'm going to give you as much as I have. We're going to have communion today, as is our tradition, our first Sunday of every month, which we'd love to do that. So we have a full morning. I just, I don't know, I just love the worship this morning. My heart was so touched by the songs and the singing and feel so happy that God was glorified. It's really, this is what we're after here. Every time we meet, 
God be highly lifted up and glorified and honored. All right. Luke chapter 10, the word of God says, After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into this harvest. Go your way. Behold, I'm sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals. Greet uh, greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, Peace be to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not, it will return to you. And remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they provide, for the laborer deserves his wages. Do not go from house to house. Wherever you, uh, whenever you enter a town and they receive you, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick in it and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But whenever you enter a town and they do not receive you, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know that the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, it would be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. That's our first 12 verses. I'm going to focus a lot on these 12 verses. The next section is a very interesting section because Jesus begins to talk about cities. Now, we know that there is judgment, the judgment seat of Christ, and there's the great white throne judgment. There's a number of judgments that are found in the New Testament, And they deal with individuals. All of us will stand before God, whether you're a believer or unbeliever, and we'll give some kind of account of our lives. It's called the Bema Seat of Christ or the Judgment Seat of Christ. I can't wait to get there. Because, first of all, our sins won't be mentioned because why? Why won't our sins be mentioned at the Judgment Seat of Christ? Because Jesus has already paid for those sins. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that when he stands before God, he's not going to remember any of your sins? Jesus says he not only forgives your sins, he what? Forgets your sins. Aren't you glad? I am. But we have this interesting passage here that talks about judgment on cities. And I've never quite really fully understood it, but I've taken the gist of it, and we in the upper room for the last 16 years have prayed for Laguna Beach out of this passage that God would pour his blessing down upon our city because I've noticed here, and there's other mentions Jesus mentions more about cities uh, and about the judgment that's going to come to cities. Isn't it interesting? Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. I've been to Bethsaida. For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more bearable in the judgment for Tyre and Sidon than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be exalted to heaven? No, you shall be brought down to Hades. The one who hears you, hears me. The one who rejects you, rejects me. The one who rejects me, rejects the one who sent me. Uh, That's a good verse all of us could memorize, that last verse I just read. All right. In the first 12 verses, Jesus sends out the 72, and now they're going to come back, and they're going to give a report here in the section from verses 17 through 20. And the 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, after all of that, you'd say, wow, it can't get much better than that. 
But he says, nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice, what? That your name is written in heaven. That your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. That's a word for us this morning. All of us could stand up and shout for the next 20 minutes, yay, our name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Woohoo, that's what I say. Thank you. Was that Eugene? That was Eugene. I could hear you. I could tell your voice. <laughs> I'll say it. Woohoo! Our name's written in the Lamb's book of life. Thank you, God. Am I, I'm so grateful. I know somebody who saw her name written in the Lamb's book of life when she got saved. She saw the actual writing. I'll tell that story some other time. All right. And then we have this little kind of outburst of praise that, uh, that Jesus is going to... And it's, and, it's, and it's not... We don't see this a whole lot, but we actually have the words of Jesus giving worship and praise to his Father. And in the same hour, Jesus, he rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and said... Notice that. Do you see that little phrase? He rejoiced in the Holy Spirit. As a man, Jesus needed the Holy Spirit. Like when you come in here in the morning and we were just singing... Like, you really need the Holy Spirit to get the most out of your worship. Because the Holy Spirit reaches deep down to deep, where we don't even know what's happening in the deepest parts of our heart and brings forth worship for us. It's the Holy Spirit's role. The Holy Spirit's primary role is to, what? Glorify Jesus. And so that's what the Holy Spirit is going to do here, and the Son's going to glorify the Father. I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and reveal them to little children. The King, the King James says, and to babes. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows who the Son is except the Father, or who the Father is except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Then turning to the disciples, he said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings desired to see what you see and did not see it and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. All right, so let's go back to verse 1 now. We'll see what we can learn from this passage, what we can glean from this text. It's a, there's a, uh, so much here, and I think some things that we can take home with us. And when I, when I, I think Jeff mentioned last week that when he looked at his passage, when he first looked at it, he went like, what am I going to find in this passage? And I felt the same way when I, I said, what, what fresh life can we find in this passage? Because I've looked at this so, so often. Starting off, after this, the Lord appointed, after what? After this. After what is it talking about? Well, after this is just the previous section that Jeff so beautifully taught last week. The, you see the verses 57 to 62, the cost of following Jesus, that section where Jesus is calling men and women to follow him, he's calling men and women to follow him, and then he's also exhorting those who say they have, they have excuses. Well, yes, I want to follow you, but please let me first take care of some family issues. Let me say that's not how you follow Jesus. Did you hear what I said? That's not how you follow Jesus. You don't like put Jesus in the mix with a bunch of other things and He's just part of what you're doing. No, Jesus says, all that other stuff's got to come after me. The Lord needs to be first in your life. And I remember 
the uh, Campus Crusade Four Spiritual Law track. I don't know how many of you remember that track. Maybe your dad wrote it. I don't know. <laughs> but it, it gave the four spiritual laws. You know, you're a sinner and you, you need to be saved and forgiven and all that. But in the back of the book, it said that after you're a Christian, you're going to have this problem of who is going to be sitting on the throne of your life. Are you going to be sitting on the throne of your life or is Jesus going to be sitting on the throne of your life. So there's this little diagram of a chair, you know, and I, I used to look at that and go, Jesus, I want you to sit on the chair. <laughs> I don't want to sit on the chair myself. But the problem is, is that too often over the past almost 50 years that I've been a Christian, I've been sitting on that chair too much. How many of you know that's a problem? How many of you have wrestled with that one? How many of you have gone like, like oh, I think, Lord, I think I'm running my life again. Yeah, and Jesus says, no, you got to put me first. So this is a word for us this morning. Like, Jesus is not a part of the mix, everybody. He's not a part of the deal. Jesus is Lord. He's not just Savior. He's Lord. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, the Rose of Sharon, the Lily of the Valley. He ascends above all things for us. We have been purchased with a price, and we are not our own. We are his. And so this word that Jesus is talking about is the word that the 72 are going to carry with them as they go ahead of Jesus. So you'll notice here in verse 1 that the Lord appointed 72 others and he sent them on ahead of him. So what Jesus is doing now is he's in northern Israel. He's heading south for Jerusalem. And what he does is he sends these 36 pair of believers, of followers of his, to cities that he's going to go to, and, he's the, and those folks are going to tell the, those in the city, there's one that's coming to your city, and it's one that you should consider. He's a, he's a man of God. He's called the Son of God. He's going to speak of a kingdom, and he's going to exhort you to follow him, and we're, we're just telling you he's coming, and you need to be excited about this. And so that's, that was their mission. It really wasn't the gospel because how could it not, the gospel couldn't happen yet because Jesus hadn't what? He hadn't died yet. But it's a, like a forerunner ministry. It's like a John the Baptist ministry. Remember John the Baptist? He's the one that prepared the way for Jesus to come. It's a forerunner ministry. So they prepare the way for Jesus as he's heading south and they are going to uh, speak to him. Now, notice, speak to them. Now, notice here this word appointed. I want you to notice that word appointed. And then in verse 2, he tells them and he tells us, he said, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Pray earnestly that the Lord of the harvest sends out laborers. I want to focus on those two words. I want to focus on the words appointed and the words sends. Okay, now, let me say, first of all, all of you, all of us, are called to be witnesses for Christ, right? We're all called to express the love of God, to, to be an example of Christ to others, to speak of Christ in our normal, everyday life, in our families, in our neighborhood, at our work, at school, a people should know that we are Christians. Does everybody in your sphere of life know you're a Christian? 
<laughs> they should know you're a Christian. And guess what? Guess what they do to you? Guess what people who know you're a Christian, guess what they do? They read you. They look at you. And there's this fantastic verse in 2 Corinthians. Gabe, if you could put that verse up for me. 2 Corinthians says that you are a living letter. Paul writes and says, you are our letter written upon our hearts, known and read by all men. You're, you're read. Your life is read. He's not talking here about written words. He's talking about your very life. You are a letter written upon our hearts, known and read by all men, being manifested that your life is a letter of Christ, cared for by, cared for by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. So everywhere you go, you are being read by people. They, they, they go, oh, uh, Bob Hemsley. I know he's a Christian. People are checking you out. Miss Tricia, they're checking you out. Jeanette, they might be checking you out more than you know. And I know, Pete, they're checking you out. That's for sure. <laughs> so the point of this being, I want you to know there's a difference between being appointed and called to something and then just being a regular witness. You know what I'm saying? All the time. And we should wake up in the morning and remember I'm going to be read all day long. People are going to be reading me all day long. They're going to be checking me out. They're going to be listening to my language. They're going to be listening to how I talk. They're going to be listening to this and listening to that. But what, what, whatever you do, wherever you are, God will give you divine appointments, I promise you. If you make Jesus Lord, God's going to give you divine appointments, right and left things that you just can hardly believe will pop up and you will be a witness for Christ. So I remember right after I married Nikki, I was out of the side yard of my house and I'm going to make my first garden. I got my hoe out there and I'm hoeing these, this, my garden, you know, and let me, let me just say, the only thing that grew was the zucchini. Everything else died. I, couldn't, I don't know why. Anyway, I'm out there hoeing and here comes a young lady down the street with a baby carriage, a little one-year-old in it. And I said, hi, how you doing? Fine, fine. I said, uh, what's your baby's name? Oh, my baby's name's Jacob. I go, Jacob? Your baby's name's Jacob? One of the patriarchs of Israel? You know, Isaac, Abraham, Jacob? His name was turned to Israel? He was so powerful? And she looked at me and she just like went down the street. <laughs> I said, Lord, I tried. <laughs> so I'm out in my yard the next day. I'm hoeing again, and here she comes. Same lady comes, and she comes right into the yard. And she says, I haven't slept all night long. I've been turning and tossing. You've got to tell me more about this Jacob thing. i just got to know. And 20 minutes later, she bowed her head and accepted Jesus in my little garden. This is what God does. God does all of these beautiful kind of witnessing appointments. The zucchini was pretty good, actually. <laughs> Thank God that I was planting the garden. I'm, I'm sure I would have run into her, you know, anyway. 1978, I was taking a red-eye flight. Uh, the church, first church I pastored, I co-pastored with a man named Jack Wheaton, who was a veterinarian in Cronin Mar. 
we took a red-eye flight to, uh, we were going to Orlando, Florida to see Mike Montgomery, who was the former pastor of this church, climbed onto this Delta airline at uh, midnight and sat down and plane took off and Jack and I were like, we were pumped, like we were so excited about the Lord and going back to, to see Mike, you know, and uh, we're talking about our church, you know, the, it was the, right in the middle of the Jesus movement and so much excitement and you know, an hour later, the whole plane, everybody's got blankets pulled up over their heads, and Jack and I have our little lights on, and we're just talking about God. We're so excited, and the stewardess comes over. And we're on the exit row, and there's a seat across the and She sits down, and she says, like, what's with you guys? <laughs> like, the whole place is quiet, and, and we said, well, we're excited about Jesus. And she said, what? Yeah, we're, we're excited about Jesus. And, uh, and would you... Could we talk to you a little bit about Jesus? He said, okay. And we started talking. He said, you know, it's, it's pretty funny because uh, uh, last week, uh, as, as customers were exiting the plane, somebody handed me their card, a business card. Uh, and it had this verse on it that Gabe's going to put up right now uh, from Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. This guy gave me this verse, and... and uh, and then the, the stewardess next to me says, don't you hate it when these religious fanatics like, do this sort of thing? She says, but you know what, kind of like I, I thought about it this week, and now you're talking to me about Jesus. And uh, we talked to her for and asked questions. She had a husband who was a musician in Las Vegas. Make a long story short, as the plane began to descend into Atlanta, her name was Lorna. Lorna bowed her head, and she received Jesus right on that plane. The next time she came to L.A., she drove down to Laguna Beach, and Jack and I and, and brethren, maybe some of you here that were there back then, took her down to Main Beach and baptized her. This is what God does. This is the glory of God. God is so amazing and so beautiful, and he brings you these divine appointments. If you're just open and you're looking, this is the witness that we have. But I want to get back to what I said a minute ago. God appoints and God sends. And there's a big problem when you appoint yourself, and you send yourself. You know what I'm saying? And, and it's a natural problem that we have in this culture because we're all workaholics. We're all like we, you know, we're, and we're all performance-based people, most of us. We, you know, we've always performed for, for our parents and for our teachers and for our coaches and for our employers and for our spouses. We're always trying to perform. We're always trying to do something. So your natural inclination when you come to crisis, I want to do something for God, you know? And people do things and they haven't even prayed about it. They just, they're six months in the Lord and pretty soon they're going to go on the mission field or they're going to start a nonprofit or they're going to do something for God. And then I start getting texts and emails a few months later going, nothing's working right. We don't know what's wrong. Like we put all this money into this and, and, uh, and here we are and we're just not... We're just not, you know, it's just not happening. You know, well, maybe God didn't send you. If God sends you, if you look at verse 17, that's what's going to happen. This is, if God sends you, the 72 returned with joy saying, everything was great. Everything was wonderful. So, in the mid-70s, some of you might remember this guy. Uh, there was a guy that stood out in front of the Sodus Festival 
named Black Bart. Black Bart had a black hat, a black shirt, black pants, black cowboy boots, a black holster with a knife in it strapped to his leg. And Black Bart would stand out in the front of the Sawdust Festival in the street and he would read as loud as he could the book of Revelation. He'd stand there and bellow it out and he'd read stuff like this. The fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun and was allowed to scorch people with fire and they were scorched by the fierce heat and they cursed the name of God who had power over these plagues and they did not repent nor give him glory. And the fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast and his kingdom was plunged into darkness and he'd bellow this out day after day. For years he would bellow it out. I, I liked the guy, I knew him, I knew who he was. <laughs> <laughs> but I would say to myself, like, God, did you, uh, did you send Black Bart here to do that? <laughs> as far as I know, he never led anyone to Christ in all the years that he read. And then, I, then when, well, <laughs> so our president, Tom Leslie at the time, was in the back of the show where his little jewelry case was, and, and uh, oh, Bill knows Tom. <laughs> yeah. And uh, there is... Black Bart out in the front of the street, bellowing out, and, and Tom is like, had enough. And when Tom had enough, the veins at his neck would explode. He had this big mustache that would rise in attack mode. And he looked down the middle aisle of the sawdust, and he charged out of the sawdust and tackled Black Bart in the middle of the street. I don't think Black Bart was called to read Revelation 16 in front of the sawdust. I really don't. So, oh, by the way, uh, later on, he set a record in Laguna Beach going up and down the beach doing the same thing. He got over 40 disturbing the peace citations in one year. <laughs> oh, love the guy, though. He meant well. He meant well. A lot of people mean well. They just, it's just not God, it's them. And look it, I'm going to raise my hand. I've done a lot of stuff that I thought was God, and it was just me. It was me. I'm going to do something for God, you know, so I'm going to do this. And, and spending all this energy, you know, and calling these people, we're going to get involved, we're going to do this, you know, and do this and do that. And, and uh, it, fizzle, it fizzles out because God's not in it. And it's just part, it's a, it's a part of growing up. Do you know that you are the product, all of you, Beautiful people are the product of your failures. You, you, all of you have failed, and you've grown, and you've learned from your failures, right? I'm just about out of town. I'm, I'm out of time here. I haven't even got two verses hardly done yet. All right. <laughs> so, God appoints, God sends. If you feel like doing something for God, make sure you pray it through, Okay? And God may have all kinds of things for you, but you want to make sure that the Lord's in it. Your great idea, you, know, you might just run it by Jeff or myself or somebody first and just see what we think. Or, you know, in, in the witness of two, there's confirmation. You might just want to, because there's all kinds of things that we can do. And uh, the main thing is that the Lord be in it and that the Lord wants to, wants to bless it. So I want to give us time for communion. So um, what I think I will do is uh, I'm just going to go to a God's calling for, for our church. God's calling for our church. 
it's important for a little church by the sea to go when God calls us. And God's been calling a little church by the sea for many years, and we have sent many, many teams uh, into the nations, and we know God has sent us because there's been fruit from virtually every... And we've gone to, uh, to uh, Central America, we've gone to South America, we've gone to Africa, we've gone to Asia, specifically uh, Southeast Asia. And the reason that we go is that there are people there who need to hear about the love of God. And there's people there who need to hear the gospel. And there's people uh, over there who need to hear that Jesus loves them and they need to know about the truth. So we, we go and these people are waiting. You know there's people waiting all over the earth for someone to come. And so I'm gonna end my message now with some images of people that we've gone to. Almost all of these pictures here are people that we have gone to and preached the gospel to. This is Thailand here. <laughs> That's normal. This is why we go. Cambodia. Thailand. Cambodia, Thailand, Thailand, Burma, Africa, Cuba, <laughs> Josh and Sam, that's in Thailand. I mean, Josh and, uh, and uh, yeah, Sam. Cambodia, that's Linda. That's a dental outfit in Cambodia. Thailand, they, scouting is big in Thailand. Thailand, that's Roland, our facilitator of our ministry there. The Philippines, all those are friends, every one of them. Cambodia, House of Hope, Thailand, Jeff.